0: to another another excellent episode, to another excellent episode of Chasing Excellence. Uh, Ben, we are joined by friend of the show, longtime CompTrain athlete, Cole Sager. How are you, Cole?
1: I'm doing great, guys. It's really good to be be here on the show with you guys.
0: Uh, And I will just bring people behind the curtain a little bit for reasons mostly to do with me in that I'm not there. Ben and Cole are next to each other in different rooms. <laughs> I force them to get in hey, different Cole! rooms. Cole is actually, da- Cole, yeah, Cole is actually down with you, Ben, training, which is really cool. But for audio purposes uh, and because I'm not there, I love we that because
2: you live areas. in Maine. But everything is de- everything is down there. Yes. Everything's down now. The uh, the entire yes. world is for dead. Cole is nothing back. up. It's only goes. You go back <laughs> east or out west. Yeah, but Cole's yeah. back. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, so, Cole, thank you so much for, um, for for sitting down with us. Really excited. We actually had you on the show probably four or five years ago. Yeah. Um, excited to have you back. You. Um, I, I want to just start with, uh, you know, for folks maybe who don't know, I'd love to get a sense from both of you, like, what does... What is your, your history together look like? What does your working relationship look like? When did that start? Um, and walk us through just kind of like the, the, the speed version of like how you guys have worked together over the last couple of years.
1: I mean, I, th- I feel like the story is pretty simple. We locked eyes, you know, and it was just, Magic. Was I saw, I, I just <laughs> like,
2: we locked eyes and I saw the ocean.
1: Uh, it was incredible. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, you know, for, on my end, I think one of the big parts, uh, the like the like the big start of it was I was early in my CrossFit career uh and you know I had gotten to the point where like I could take myself so far uh as an athlete as an individual uh using knowledge that I had gained playing football through you know general strength and conditioning or anything of the sorts um but I had actually started reading a lot of online content from Ben um I had read through the training.com. Mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, a dozen. Cool. Were, yeah, exactly. Um, I'd read through just about everything on there. Um, and, uh, I had a friend who I was training with at the time who was also, uh, who was a games athlete at the time, Rory Zambard. Um, she had a lot of respect for Ben, um, knew Ben from level one, some of our staff and, and, um, and just held him to a high esteem. And so, when we were training together, we would, um, you know, more so cherry pick from comp train and really use a lot of the methodologies and whatnot and philosophy that Ben uh, approached. And so as I got to the point in my career, I was like, hey, like, like people are starting to talk about like, hey, it might be good to look into getting a coach or something like that. I really like, you know, I, I'd been, a, I'd been approached by a couple of different coaches. Um, and I really looked at it like, hey, like, if I'm going to be coached, I want to be coached by the right person because I'm not the type of person that's just like, I don't want to get into a relationship. I'm very, very much a relationship driven person. Um, I don't want to get into a relationship that I don't see is going to be a long-term fit. And so I was like, you know, Ben Bergeron, he really seems like the guy that I would like to build. He, he, he builds the athlete from the mind out from the, you know, he, he builds the person first and you could see that, you know, way back then. Um, and so like for me, that was a big drive. And then through some different connections, uh, you know, Matt O'Keefe has played an integral part in our relationship and, and just about everybody's relationship in the CrossFit space. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, and uh, through that, uh, I got connected with Ben. I had the very, very fortunate chance to come out and do a training camp with him and his athletes for the 2015 regionals. Um, and, I, you know, I joke about locking eyes and knowing that it was a fit, but truly, like, that was almost kind of how it happened. Ben was given a talk about the circle of control. Um, and it was just really just, you know, just captivated by the way that he, he wanted to coach people, um, not athletes, people like he wanted to coach people. And then obviously that makes a good athlete. And, um, it was just like, after that training camp, I was like, this, this was awesome. This was amazing to be out here and the type of people that I want to be around. Um, you know, so from my, from my perspective and on my end, that's, that's very much how it started.
2: During that, during that training camp, I have to share this. We one of the regional workouts that year was Randy. Randy <laughs> is seventy five snatches for time at seventy five pounds for Cole Sager seventy five pounds. It, it might as well just be a broomstick, a toothpick. It's nothing. Um, during that training session, and it was <laughs> that training camp. Help me out, Cole. But it was um, you, Katrin, Michelle Latondra, Fraser, and Matt. Um, mm-hmm. Was Brooke Wells there for that one? Maybe not.
1: No, no, that was it. So that was just the yeah. four um four individual athletes, but then you had your team, oh, and the team uh back then. So we're doing Randy
2: and they're like doing it like guess so they're moving forward every fifteen reps, every fifteen reps, they get to the last bar, everyone kind of gets there together. Cole Sager ends up squat snatching, seventy-five pounds, squat <laughs> squat snatching. Seventy five pounds for the last five reps just because he was like, I'm not letting go of this thing. I got nothing left. No, no,
1: no. You said that we had to go unbroken for as long as we could.
2: Yeah. The, the, the <laughs> fact that like the squat actually was never like it never even crosses like a potential option. It's like it's that's it was it's so outside the realm was so amazing. Yeah.
1: I just sent it, man. I was just sending it. Thanks for sharing Everyone was like, was he he squat (laughs) snatching those? You and O'Keefe afterwards, like your heads were still –
2: It's essentially – for people that don't understand what (laughs) I'm talking about, it's essentially like um, instead of doing kettlebell swings, it would be like doing um, kettlebell swings and choosing to do an overhead squat at the top of each one for some reason.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm pretty accurate. Yeah
0: uh Ben, um, what would you say thinking about you know that was twenty fifteen so we're somewhere in the range of seven to eight years of this of this uh partnership here. What would you say the biggest uh change improvement has been at for with Cole as an athlete that you've seen from from that training camp till now like where have you seen the biggest improvements, the biggest change in a positive direction?
2: yeah, so the thing that um um uh, got me excited about working with Cole was. You know, he Cole alluded to like the mindset piece of it, the person piece of it. That that's what got me excited about it. So I wouldn't say a whole lot has changed there because that's he was um he's just an awesome dude. So like he had that. The biggest thing was from a physiologic like a, a true athlete perspective. He was a football player. So he could uh run run someone over, he could have all the power in the world, but he had no endurance. He had no stamina, mm-hmm. he didn't have any uh, long, long and speed stuff, couldn't run f- for distance at all. Um, and he's been, the words we use has been completely stretched out. Um, he, I would actually, I, mean, I think that Cole would actually say that's one of his biggest strengths now is his work capacity. He ran a marathon. Um, he came in third in the marathon row. Like he's um, in the um, 5k run this past Year, you came in top five. Is that right? Yeah, top five in the uh,
1: yeah, fourth. fourth in fourth.
2: that. So, um, he's from that perspective, he's completely transformed as an athlete, still has his power, still has his athleticism. But now you can couple that with the well roundedness of, um, the longer it goes, almost the
1: better it benefits him. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, Let's suffer. Let's yeah. suffer for a long time.
0: <laughs> what, um, I, I'd love to chat a little bit about what you guys are focusing on now. Um, like we just, like we had alluded to at the start, Cole, you're, you're at crossing New England, you're down in Natick doing some, some in-person training. Um, I'd love to know what that's like just for you, Cole. Cause I know oftentimes you're training, uh, yeah. solo, uh, in your garage. Yeah. Certainly. What's it like being in the gym, being around Ben, being around Chandler, being around the crew, um, what is that like as compared to what normal regular training looks like?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, first and foremost, I think the biggest, uh, the biggest thing is just being around people, uh, especially Mm -hmm. like-minded people. So like, like I, I train in the garage probably 90% of the time by myself. Um, I mean, Genesis in there, uh, my wife's in there, um, maybe doing her own thing, but like for the most part, I'm training by myself. Um, I'll get out of, I'll get out of the garage and I'll go to a local gym, um, on saturdays or a couple maybe one or two times to do bar muscle-ups and use a rope so i'll get around community and i'll see people um but even in that space i'm still training by myself Uh, so to get out here and to be around like-minded individuals who are also in the same pursuit because you can get around like-minded individuals but you're not pursuing anything near and remotely close it's like you're kind of in your own lane doing your own thing so to be here with other people who are also, you know, in that same pursuit or, you know, kind of the same lane um, that's invigorating, that feels really good. Um, And that's just, so that's exciting to be around. Um, But even I think Ben and I um, have both agreed. And I mean, we've said it a couple of times while I've been out here that just getting eyes on, you know, his eyes on me really, it's because like I, I send a ton of video like throughout the year and, I can, I can write him a novel of notes on how I'm feeling and how the body is doing, but to just have eyes on a person, like you, you can get so much information, like suddenly all like in, in, in a second, just by seeing them. Um, and that has been really cool. Um, and to, in, in, you know, in, in one snatch session, like something that we've been working on for a while through video analysis, we were able to look at and find and adjust in, span of 15 minutes just because you can do it. You can play back, you can speak right then and there, you know, like, so that has been, that has been really, really cool. And the value of getting out here is like, it's amazing. It, it just is definitely well worth the time to get out here. And it's hard. Like I, I live on the West coast, you know, it's a big long flight and you have to weigh that and what's the net cost of coming out here. But um, yeah, it's, it has definitely been, it's been nice to be here.
0: Yeah. Ben, well, I think, uh, you know, I'd be curious. One of the things that obviously you Comtrain is moving towards is getting more of your people in a room together at the same time to um, kind of call, like you just said, like like like-minded people aiming for the same basic target. Right. Um, And I think that's a big impetus behind the Comtrain Academy and everything that you guys are building there. What is it? um, What is it like to have Cole in house when usually he's not like, what, what are you seeing that, uh, that is opening your eyes because he's in the room versus everything over video, everything over FaceTime, everything over email? So
2: uh, the first one is, it's like what we talk about all the time is, you know, Cole just, it's like a relationship type thing and every relationship is built upon trust and trust can't not be, I just I just do not believe trust can be forged uh, over a digital platform. I just don't think it's possible, um, which sounds weird that Cole's in a different room than me and we're connecting on this when you're like, I can actually hear you talking I know, <laughs> but now we're choosing digital in this format so i just really believe that so having that is really important we've discussed kind of like already while he's here like we need to do this more this year than probably we ever have before can we do this usually it's like once or twice a year that we do this you know maybe i'll get out there once maybe he'll come out here once and we see each other at wadapalooza and the semifinal or something like that but we're really trying to like can we do this you know three or four times because we're both seeing a lot of the value in it um And, you know, what Cole's saying is all this, like we're working on the snatch or whatever it might be. And in like, and it's not just watching the snatch. It's like the stuff that happens around, it's like all the little stuff that happens around it and the body language that happens around it. And you can, it was, you miss on video, video is so transactional. It's like, here's this four second clip of this piece of my 24 hour day. And mm-hmm. the more you get to see the um, the the life around it, it builds in so much into it. So me seeing how Cole warms up was as – that was the most valuable thing. Like we scrapped – we never did the snatch session the first day because we scrapped it because I saw him warming up a certain way. And it wasn't like this mm-hmm. is wrong or anything like that. It was like, hey, I, through the warm-up, something really came to life and wow, we could really – so we scra- you can't do that through video because he gives the programming. He does the whole programming. He sends me the programming. So now I'm assessing his programming. Um, it just – it would be overload from him to send me uh, you know, another additional – you can't – it's just – it's a reality of remote coaching. You just don't get it all. Mm-hmm. And then the feedback loop of that immediate – You know, it's one of the tenets of deep practice. One of the things you need in deep practice is immediate feedback. Now, you can do that through Zoom sessions in real time. But even still, then you're in this one certain angle. Like Cole will see me. I'll take one angle. And then in the middle of his set, I'll run to the other side of him to get a view from the other side because it's like, oh, my gosh, maybe this is happening. So it just creates so much more opportunity um, to do so many other things. And as you're alluding to with uh, the academy type stuff in in person – I actually think it has more to like the biggest parallels I see is everyone's talking about in this pandemic world about how people can go to remote work. Mm -hmm. And what I just said, like, it's the same thing as a work environment. I don't see the way people are when they're going to the water cooler and how comfortable they are at their desk. And when they hang up the phone with that client, what's their body language saying? And that's, if you really want to build something really special, you got to, you got to, you got to have the real connections. And um, I, I, I feel bad when I hear people saying we can be more productive from working at home. I just think that those – yep. And it, if it's all about transactional experiences, you can be more productive in terms of measuring widgets produced. But if it's a matter of fulfillment and creating something magical, you can't experience Disney World remotely. You have to experience it in person.
0: So. Do, you, do you guys think, cause you're both obviously uh, well inside of it. Are we moving in, in terms of, in terms of the sport of CrossFit um, is the sport moving to a place where it's going to be necessary for coach and athlete to be in the same room 90% of the time, because that's just where, like, if that's where we find the 1% improvement, like that's, that's what we've got left. Or is there still or maybe, you know, in perpetuity, are we going to be able to have relationships like you guys have, where it's still productive, it's still valuable, it's still useful, it still works, where coaches on the East Coast and athletes on the West Coast? Are we just moving to our different phase of the sport?
2: I'll, I'll take it. Um, I, I don't know. Um, I don't think we're moving there anytime soon. Um, because... Uh there's not enough opportunity in our sport. Is the honest answer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. you know, I think that what we're probably going to be seeing pretty quickly is more of like uh all other individual sports in our country that don't have lots of opportunity where you train on your own and then you go to a camp to a train, you know, Olympic training center. Training facility. Yeah, exactly. You spend time with coaches and you go back to live and do your stuff, but you got to work for FedEx and wait tables. And you go back and you do this thing. I think we're in that hybrid model right now, but the very few elites like Simone Biles doesn't do that. She has a coach full-time. Michael Phelps didn't do that. He had a coach full-time. But for the 99.9% of the elites, I'm not talking about the world, like even of the elites, 99% I think at this point will still kind of be in this more, transitional phase until the sport matures a little bit
1: mm-hmm. but i mean still, that's not that's not to take away from the fact that i think that you know our sport has always it's always been in the aspect of every, anyone who can be in person with their coach is going to benefit from that like it's i mean i honestly ben and Cat proved that really early on and mm-hmm. you know in the sport so um you know i think athletes taking advantage of that whenever they could is is extremely important and you know i part of the reason why i'm here now you know and then um you know i have family back home and stuff but it's like hey no i gotta get out there because the value of being in person is there and um you know i I think the more and more and more athletes show that and prove that i think more and more athletes will work to try to make that happen as well
0: Mm. Cole, you're you're what i would say is probably among the first kind of generation of crossfit athletes who can make the sport of crossfit their career or their job yes. or their their yes. full-time endeavor for as long as they can make it that full-time endeavor mm-hmm. i'm curious kind of what are the challenges of that given that like ben just alluded to like we're in this weird transitional phase where you can kind of do it you can you can't really fully do it like what are the challenges that you're finding in in um in in practice in real life in everyday life yeah. making this really forging this along you and along with all the other athletes who are doing it, kind of forging this path for the athletes in five years who you're going to have kind of plowed this for them. Yeah. What is it like now kind of figuring it out as you go?
1: Yeah, you know, it's, it's really interesting you say that because, um, you know, you're, you're you're totally right. My class, which is the 2014 class, I I would say that about 50% of the field was was new, fresh faces back then or something like that. Um, it's a big, big influx of, of, of athletes. Um, And of our our 2014 class, there's only a handful of us that are still competing or that have consistently been to the games. Um, But but through that time, one of the things that I've noticed that is those who have been to the games every year since then, you know, since 2014, they've uh, been able to make a living or um, we're, you know, one of the few, you know, some of the few who have been able to do this as a full time gig um and that has been one of the biggest challenges over the years is it was really it's come down to consistency at year over mm-hmm. year are you going back to the games that has been the number one marker it hasn't even been placement so much as just have you been a games athlete year over year um you know and then obviously placement plays a very large role that is just like an like that's an influx of possibility and opportunity the higher you place, you place on the podium. There's an influx of opportunity that comes your way. Um, just about everybody starts reaching out, um, and that is still even for me um, on my end. You know, um, every year that I've, I've it, there's been a direct correlation. It's like um, I make it to an eighth CrossFit game, and there's consistently opportunities available. But I make it to my eighth CrossFit games, and I place on the podium, or I place top ten, or you know, or I place fourteenth like Mm -hmm. there's a direct correlation to how much opportunities start to come into my inbox or, you know, and so on and so forth. So there's that, um, component. uh, Um, and then the other component that I've, that I've noticed a big shift in is, um, the influence of social media in this space. And I've noticed that from 2014 to now how we're not just being looked at as athletes. Now we're also being looked at as fitness influencers. And so Mm -hmm. there's, there's, there's balancing that and finding, you know, for me personally, it's finding the right balance of, you know, do I want to let, you know, do I want to continue to put the focus on being an athlete and put so much focus on that that that's what my career is marked as, or it could very easily be marked as I'm just a fitness influencer that happens to go to the crossfit games. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like I think personally, you have to make a decision on that because I have mm-hmm. I have found myself caught in between, and that is a very stressful place to be, and I don't think it's been a very like. like with the times that I have, it's like I don't know. Like I was in a very men- mentally healthy spot, um, and it wasn't the best. You know, definitely my best mental space when I was caught between the two.
2: You know, another thing that's changed in terms of opportunity, um, well, along with the social media aspect for sure, um, is the the rise of events like Rogue. It used to be just mm-hmm. the one singular earning opportunity throughout the year, and the other stuff was like, yeah, you yeah, could win four or five grand at something. But what Rogues done? is matched or even potentially in certain in certain circumstances mm-hmm. surpass the earning potential of mm-hmm. the games. Yeah. Well, if you were able to get two more of those a season, let's call it like Wadapalooza and Dubai or West Coast Classic or something like that, and athletes had the choice of choosing three of those four, and each one of those had like real earning potentials even for the, the um, 14th and 15th place finishers. So really giving our earning opportunity for the top 20 in our sport, to do this comfortably, um, and mm-hmm. um, that would that's that's a transitional phase. Where I mean, rogue yeah. rogue sort of did it two years ago. Then they had the online one, and they really did it this past year. Um, and they I think they really kind of like put a stake in the ground pretty well in terms of like this is the yeah. expectation for event organizers. Man, that's like that really changes the the, the landscape for for twenty athletes. But that's people got to realize. That's massive in, in, in golf, in MMA, in all these other sports, like outside of the top 50 or so, nobody makes any money. So, Mm -hmm. and for sure in wrestling or swimming or gymnastics, or if you're outside the top 50, you make zero. It's like nothing. So people, people got to stop complaining about the earning potential because it is happening now and it's more, um, uh, democratized than, um, than a lot of the other sports at this point, and certainly from a male female's perspective, like we're crushing it there. I think like, yeah. um, gymnastics and tennis might be the only ones that are close to what we're doing.
1: You know, and I think on top, like on top of that is also is like, one of the things that I love is, is I feel like the, the, um, you know, financial picture or the wealth of the sport is, is being divvied up pretty well amongst, and like Ben is saying to the fact that top 20 athletes can make a living and it, making a living, like it. it it just needs to be modest to be making a living and to do this full time. I when I first started doing this professionally in 2014, 15, I wasn't I wasn't making a lot of money. <laughs> but but it was enough, it was enough to, to, to live on and to do it modestly and get to chase a passion and something like that. And that creates more and more opportunity. And so you know, I, I think Ben's exactly right. You know, there has been a lot of opportunity and people have gone to bat for us. Um, and so there shouldn't be any complaining, but just really just like a lot of gratitude and praise for that. Because that has been really cool. And what Rogue is doing and what other competitions are doing. And that goes back to what I was saying about, you know, getting to be an athlete. Because of what Rogue is doing and other event organizers are doing, that gives like us as athletes, like can we put more of our effort and energy into being the best possible athlete that i can possibly freaking be you know versus having to balance like okay like i also need to you know be a social media influencer or or run a youtube page or anything in between it's like i'm gonna spend these next five years i'm gonna see what kind of athlete i can be and you know what i can create within this world and give back into the world through that platform you know what i mean so Mm. um yeah that's yeah i'm glad you brought that up that's it that's that's a great uh great thing i see transpiring
0: Cole, um, one, I miss your, your vlog. I thought it was one of the better of the the CrossFit Games athletes. And so I do miss it. So if you, if you ever do bring it back, at least you've got it. That was, that was, that's what you talked about. This
2: blur between athlete and social media influencer. It's like, that's a, that's a hard place. But that's going to be, that's my question
0: to you, Cole, is thinking about your experience Mm -hmm. in that blur, in that trying to do these two, two pretty different things Mm -hmm. as well as you can. And thinking about maybe the 18-year-old athlete who sees you, sees Catherine, sees Matt, sees all these mm-hmm. – so that's what that's what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. That's it. And also at the same time seeing I, – I think I need 200,000 people on Instagram. I think I need a vlog. I think I need X, Y, and Z, all the shiny things. Mm-hmm. What is your advice to that 18, 19-year-old? You just kind of laid it out, right? Like try to be the best darn athlete you can be. But respecting also – that there's all these shiny objects and all of these things that are like, well, I guess I want to be like her and she's doing this. So now I have yeah. to do that. Yeah. What advice do you have to them to navigate those choices, to navigate yeah. that landscape, to navigate the life that again, like I said before, like you you're figuring it out as you go, they they're going to have the, the luxury of saying, okay, I'm going to go the Cole Sager route. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, so just, I'm curious what you would, you would advise yeah. at 17, 18, 18 yeah. year old.
1: That's great. I think I would start with the disclaimer first, like I would be also talking to myself still, you know, like, yeah. Um, I, I don't, I haven't, I don't have it figured out. Like I'm, you know, like, yeah, sure. I have, I have gained wisdom through experience and that has been great. And, and I'm grateful for that, but I am, I'm learning today what I need to do tomorrow, you know? And, um, but, but even with that, it's, you know, and Ben, Ben has preached it. We have talked about it many times. I'm sure you guys have talked about it a ton on the podcast, but one of those things is really, um, choosing like what you want your focus to be and then minimizing distractions you know and like i told you like i even just like i gave you a picture into my life currently is like am i am i going to choose to be the best darn athlete that i can possibly be for these next five years or am i going to bounce between things and let a couple different things distract me and let different stressors in my life um you know you'll know, take a seat at the table when they have no reason being at the table they don't need. They don't need to be there, but I'm letting them sit at the table for for some reason because maybe possibly that could be cool because I see somebody's Instagram that it looks like it's cool, but like you don't see the so. I mean, I'll paint a picture for you. Too. I I enjoyed doing doing YouTube like that was a lot of fun. Um, a big part of it was like hey like I see an opportunity to give back to the community because I've had. So many people ask a lot of questions on Instagram as I'm sure a lot of other games athletes do. Um, And I was like, Hey, like, here's a cool opportunity to give back. I also get to work on the skill of speaking in front of camera and learning how to communicate. Um, There's just some other aspects, um, learning how to um, edit video and um, learn everything about cameras, which is becoming a very popular thing. I just thought it was an opportunity. I was like, Hey, there's, there's a lot to learn here and it could be valuable. Mm -hmm. Um, But you know, an 18 year old watching some of my vlogs and then also seeing me compete on the competition floor and be like, Hey, I want that. That looks, yeah, that could be cool to stand on a podium, have a YouTube channel. Like, wow, that could be cool. But what they didn't see is I was training in the garage, the five to six hours a day that I was in the garage, distracted and having to balance how much of this needs to be on camera, how much of it shouldn't be on camera. Um going to social interactions. This is this is this was one of the hardest parts of going to a social interaction and never getting to be in the moment because you're always wondering like, could we should we be capturing this? Could we? Mm-hmm. But then the other side of it is so the five to six hours of training, but then I was working a part-time job editing video, you know, like mm-hmm. and uploading things onto YouTube. And there's just so much so much these days put on the glamor of the result of the product that you're getting from it. But you know, there's not a lot of praise for kind of the the hard work that has to be done behind the scenes. You know what I mean? So all that's come back to is like picking your focus because whatever your focus is going to be, there's going to be a lot of hard work involved with it. And you got to be willing to really dive into that and dive into it really, really well uh, because it requires a lot and it deserves a lot. And it deserves a lot of attention.
0: Mm. Where I, one of the things we wanted to chat with you about, and I think maybe this is the, this is the, the segue opportunity here is um, becoming a father mm. in, you know, in the last year, yeah. you can, you can give us the exact time frame, but um, I certainly do not want to imply that YouTube and having a kid are the same thing, but they're, they're, <laughs> they're, they're a challenge nonetheless exists yeah. in both of them in the sense totally. of like i used to be able to spend 6 hours doing this thing that i love and i could say no to everything else if i was really disciplined about it mm. and now you've got this 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 um this new thing this new pull this new desire this new challenge um and so i'd love to i'd love to kind of walk into the conversation of what life has been um, been like since becoming a father and the, yeah. the lessons, the wisdom that you've been able to glean from that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, just even jumping back to like what, what I was just talking about, about, you know, what, what's, what, what what do you let at the table? Like what stressors in life do you let at the table, you know? And, um, you know, knowing that Genesee and I wanted to be parents and creating life and space for that uh, I thought was very important because the last thing I want is to be pulled away from like, those really, really freaking cool moments when you're on the ground with your boy and just playing and snuggling. It's like, I don't want to be pulled away from that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And and not to mention is if my singular focus is being and maximizing myself as an athlete, well, Jack is a non-negotiable. Like that's, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know what I mean? That's priority number one, you know, my wife and my child. Um, And so those two take huge spots at the table. So, you know, it's really then at that point, it's like, hey, you know, what else am I going to let in? Because if I really need to maximize being an athlete, you know, I need to make sure that I'm balancing that really well. So I think that's a that's a big thing, you know, is it's constantly seeing that of like, you know, like how much other things do I let in? Because I know that they're um, if I'm not careful, they're going to take away from those moments that I have with uh, my family and then also being an athlete.
2: Hey, guys, I'm, I am my my um,
1: computer is about to die. I need to grab a charger. Sorry.
2: <laughs> okay. One,
0: two, two. We'll we'll just we'll hang out. Yeah. Wait for you.
1: We'll hang out here. Um, and I'll t- I'll just tell the story about um, gosh, I think Ben's been out to my house twice, and I think both times he forgot his laptop charger, <laughs> and so he like he lands and like you know bro hug gets to the house. Hey, um, you have <laughs> <got the> a charger. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's like that's fitting that
0: sounds a, that yeah. sounds about right yeah yeah
1: I always joke with him um, I always give him a hard time too because his phone battery always seems to be at like five percent or something like that yeah. and I, I think g- it's,
0: I think it's because subconsciously Ben just wishes all of his electronics would die and he would never have to turn them back on. And so just like the little part of his brain is like, no, just like, leave that there. That's and I, how and he, then I that, can't charge it.
1: That's how he's going to minimize distraction. You know, <laughs>
0: that's right. That's right.
1: Let's keep rolling. Cause, yeah, yeah. Cause why
0: not? We can wait for Ben. Cause one of the things we wanted to talk about is, um, the challenges that you and Genesee did have with, with the baby, the baby came three months early, um, which, my first son came five weeks early and that was hard and that was crazy. But, yeah. but when I think about what, what you went through versus like, we were in, we were in the NICU for three days, three nights. And I think you guys were in there for three months. Three months yeah. And so just like walk us through that experience, walk us through yeah. the challenge that, 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 that presented you. And we can worry, we can figure out, we can walk into how that affected your training and all that stuff it, where it's appropriate. But I'm just really curious, just like, Talk, talk to us about the challenge of that experience and what you learned from it.
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously the challenge of it, um, is I think first and foremost, it's, um, it's the unexpected, you know, um, it, it, it came came on the middle of nowhere. Um, I haven't really shared this story at large, you know, like I never went to social media to take note of. Like, oh, here's the whole full script. And um so well first off th- you know, thank you for giving me the space to talk about it. And you know, I'm happy to mm. happy to share whatever you guys wanna wanna ask about it. But um, you know, for us, we were um you know, we had our twenty-week ultrasound and everything looked beautiful. He was in the I think it was near like the fortieth, maybe thirty-fifth percentile. Um, everything looked good, the placenta, the umbilical the cord, everything. Just he he was looking just like a little magic, little peanut. You know, it was just—it was great. And uh, we leave that—we're high on life. And um, twenty-eight weeks, so eight weeks later, um, it was on, which would have been um, the thirtieth. So um, the day before New Year's Eve, we're lying on the ground, um, and uh, first and foremost, like I think, I—I I don't think the mother's intuition like natural intuition gets praised enough. Like it is, Mm -hmm. that is such an incredible thing. Um, And just like how like their intuition is just phenomenal. Um, And Genesee was like, something feels wrong. And we had been reading a bunch of things and um, we'd been told things by friends and family, like, Hey, right around 28 weeks, the placenta grows a little bit bigger. The baby also maybe had like a little growth spurt in utero. So you might feel him, moving differently he maybe he's a little bit stronger so you'll feel a different type of nudge like there's an explanation for just about you know anything you feel and trying to put moms at ease like hey your baby's gonna be okay right yeah. um and this wasn't the case for us like it wasn't that your baby was gonna be okay it was like wow like your intuition really kicked in because she was like hey something is different he's moving differently the kicks don't feel like kicks anymore they feel more like flutters or like little just soft little like um uh, yeah, I guess flutters is probably the best way to put it. But um, we spent probably four-ish hours or so um, the night before his birth, trying to get him to move. Um, drinking all of the sugary drinks that every wife tells said to say, you know, cold drinks, caffeine, laying on her side, trying to get him to move. Um, and it was just a really uneasy night for us um and we went to bed really late uh woke up pretty early just because neither of us were getting any sort of sleep and she was like i just it just feels off and we're like i'm like let's go we're, we're going I'm like i'm the first to play for peace of mind and if this means <laughs> that you're gonna have peace yep. we're gonna know like let's just go um so we went went to the hospital um and you know they you know hooked her up and got an image on you know an image but uh, um know pulse for him and monitored mom and baby for a little bit um and the nurses were pretty unemotional about anything um you know just kind of even keel and stoic about the situation but they're like hey we're just gonna go get an an ob who is um who was on call at the time and just just delivered a birth and just happened to be on um, on campus still, and who, who normally would have been. And, and I think that's one of the best parts of you know the story is just like, there was just like grace after grace and mercy after mercy that led to his birth. And, um, you know, something I'm really grateful for, but just like by, by chance, OB still happened to be there. Cam did a bedside ultrasound. And after doing that, he was like, Hey, we really, we need to actually go like get a better ultrasound. And once we got that, Uh, I think about a half hour later, he called and he was like, Hey, we got a lifelight. you over to another hospital. And Mm. like, he is, you're, you're a few hours away from losing your child. And so you got to go now. Um, Mm. And so that was very, I think the biggest challenge was just how sudden that is, you know, Um, it just, it it came out of the middle of nowhere Um, and it hits you hard, you know, it punches you in the gut. Um, So just, I mean, being completely honest, it was definitely a gut punch, but um, you know, a couple hours later, we had a little boy and I, you know, I think that one of the most amazing things these days is within 24 hours, modern medicine could tell that, Hey, you're, you're, you're going to have a baby that survives, you know, within the first 24 hours, like we know he's going to survive. Um, it was just to, to, what capacity, you know, uh, was he going to survive, you know, for the, for the next couple of weeks, about two to three weeks, you know, as he, how's his eyes going to be? What's his brain function going to be like? Heart function, lung function, all that stuff. Um, you know, so it took a couple of weeks to figure out, but, um, here we are today with a beautiful boy who's almost a year old and doing really well.
2: Uh, I. so I'd love to lean that a little bit, Cole, if, if we're okay with it. Um, cause cool. there's the, the, the sudden shock and the, uh, the, kind of the, the trauma of like that, the med flight and the immediacy of it and, uh, um, it, what's going to happen now. And then mm-hmm. Jack's born and he's born under two pounds. He's
1: one pound, one pound, 12 ounces.
2: Um, so a, a tiny little guy and now he's healthy and now he's doing great and now he's thriving. So we can. It's so easy to look back in hindsight and be like, uh, kind of gloss over all the rest. But totally. um, you know, we talked a lot during that time, and it was touch and go. And the prognosis isn't a hundred percent for babies that are born at one pound twelve ounces. And if it is survival, it doesn't mean that they're going to survive and thrive. Um, it's kind of like what what is going to be the complications. So because of that, I bring it to light because. Yeah. As I got a um, a view into the way that you and Genesee handled this situation, man, I gained a lot of respect. Like I already – you know how much I respected you already but this was um, – there's people that can talk the good game, right? There's people that like we're grateful and we have faith and we um, have – are full of love and we have perspective And we're – until something like this, honestly, like this happens, which makes you question everything and so quickly you can pull into the victim mindset or a pessimistic mindset or um, no one would fault you for being scared. No one would fault you for um, um, being frustrated Um, and – Holy crap, watching you in the conversations. It was so, this is not you putting on a front for your coach. But the thing that resonated with me so much was we had these conversations and Cole's like, you know, it's always, he's Cole's being Cole. He's like, we're just so grateful that, you know, that um, we're where we are and that we have these doctors and he's kind of saying all the right things like most people you'd expect to say. But then he was like, I am just so grateful that if somebody has to go through this experience, and I just wanted to, it was scary and it was touch and go. So now it's not because it's we have this amazing little guy with a great head of hair.
1: Oh my god. <laughs> and like, where did he get that? Right. From? Like, let's be real. <laughs> but
2: um, but then like you said it you were and it, and it wasn't just like, I don't know what's gonna happen. You're You're driving to and from the hospital multiple times a day, spending most of your time in a waiting room chair um, in the midst of like a pandemic. It's like life was not smooth sailing at all. Life was as fragile as life could be and as disruptive as life could be. While doing this, you're trying to train and qualify for the CrossFit games. If you don't, your future financial situation is in jeopardy. Like, I'm just trying to, I'm not trying to like um, exaggerate this. I'm trying to like you're so good at like and but this is where we were. And you said sure. a couple times, if somebody has to go through this, I'm so glad it's Genesee and I. Because we can handle it. Mm -hmm. Like, holy crap. And like, it's not a matter of this is even like optimist. This is going to be okay. It was a level of gratitude that you got to experience this instead of somebody else. It was the opposite of the victim. It was like, I'm glad there was a, I'm glad that this, I'm gonna call it trauma is happening to me. Yeah. Like I'm glad that this is happening to me. And that's where I was like, Cole Sager's the real deal. Like you can you can bounce back from a bad event at the games. You can um, have somebody say something negative about you on social media, but having your son's life hang in the balance, your career hang in the balance. And the most disruption you could possibly have to your daily life. And you're glad it's happening to you.
1: Mm-hmm. Damn. Thank you. Yeah. Like,
2: so I know you're a man of faith. But I'm wondering um, where that comes from. Because um, when... <laughs> I was walking through that with you, not hand in hand, but we would talk every week or so. Um, It really seemed graceful. It really seemed peaceful. um, And it really seemed genuine that you were grateful, not grateful for like the opportunity to have a son to like try to see, grateful for like, I get to have this experience because if I don't have it, somebody else does. Mm -hmm. Where does that come from? I think that was...
1: (laughs) you know, you know, without getting too, um, you know, theological and stuff. No, let's do that. And, and That's what whatnot. we do here. But, let's go. Yeah. 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 Of philosophy, I mean, you know, I think one of the things about like the, you know, what society would, would, would deem me as it, you know, deem me as a, as a Christian man. Um, you know, uh, I don't know so much that I would, I would necessarily say that I am, a christian because that that has such a connotation to the in today's culture as much as like hey you know like i'm i'm a follower of jesus you know and a believer in the bible um or man of faith um you know i have a relationship with god that that you know is a little bit more of how i would um you know define that uh, off the cuff but um you know in 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 the in the bible and scripture um really the story that's being painted is um this immense amazing amount of grace um that has been given been shown uh, to humanity out of love out of an unconditional love. Um, and, and, a, this, this beautiful pursuit that God has for humanity and mankind because of his obsession for us, not because we have done anything to deserve it, you know? Um, and so like, I look at it as like light life is, is truly a gift. Like it is, it is a gift and everything within life can be a gift. Um, but, in that, you know, for, you know, for me, you ask like, where does that come from? And if I am truly going to say that I believe in the Bible and I'm, I am, you know, what I claim to be, well, that means that Jesus or Christ sac- took a sacrifice for humanity out of a love for humanity because of, because of that kind of obsessive love. And so if he cared about humanity that much, then, then shouldn't die as well, and so again, not trying to get too you know, theological and philosophical on it, but um, in in the Bible it says the two most important things on earth are the word of God and the souls of men. That is that is in the word of God being that it points to humanity, it points to the love of people, the obsession over humanity. It, so. Like you said, I'm so glad that it is us because we can handle it. So somebody else, if if it has to be somebody, let it be us. Let it be us. Because if it's us, then maybe somebody else doesn't have to go through it. Because maybe that person can't handle it. I know we can. Hmm. So let it be us. We have the love of community. We have amazing people that will support us. We are strong individuals who have chosen to live a disciplined life, and I believe and, and even the Bible says those who are trained by discipline will know a life of righteousness and peace. Like we choose to live that life so that when times come and we get punched in the mouth, we're fine. We can take it. We can handle it. you know and and you know there's actually a scripture that that I was just reading the other day, a verse out of the Bible. That says something along the lines of we glory in suffering because suffering produces perseverance, perseverance produces hope, uh, or yeah, produces hope and hope character. And so like, there's, there's, there's a string there of, it starts with trauma. It starts with difficulties. It starts with challenges. And in those challenges, you have an opportunity to be refined into something more beautiful, better full of wisdom full of kindness full of all the good things that we want to be consciousness like it opens the mind to world and brings perspective and clarity into your world really fast really really fast and so we can glory in that trauma and those challenges um but but for me it was very much this this love here for humanity you know i i will You know, I'm willing to sacrifice a lot of my own comforts. You know, and obviously, I think that, um, you know, everybody can talk a big game. So I'd like to say that I will sacrifice so much for you know other people. But you know, you 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 don't know until you you until you know until you actually put your your money to foot where your mouth is. But you know, it's like you know, I I really feel like I would go through and sacrifice a lot, um, for other for other people. You know, a lot of my own comforts for other people. Um, and so that's really where that. I think that stemmed from is, is that, that thinking and that, and that belief in value.
2: When you're in the midst of that and you're sacrificing a lot of your own comforts and you're going through this trauma and this difficulty, is it unwavering or is there moments where you and Genesee like, um, question things?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's actually, that's a great topic. Um, and that could be a completely different podcast and like length, you know what I mean? Like, um, but I am a huge believer that like, like science and faith really mix really, really well. And so like what you're talking about, like where you <laughs> discipline matters in sleep and good nutrition and good hydration. We and just talked about exercising.
2: this. We just we like, literally just talked about this.
1: Yeah. Oh really, yeah. yeah, like when
2: you're going through all of those when you're going things, through difficult times, you gotta lean even more into those things, but yeah,
1: way more into those things because like the level of stress you're already feeling, if you aren't dialing all those other things in it's just gonna make it even harder, and then it's gonna be harder to keep a positive attitude and it's it, that's where discipline really produces like I said like a disciplined life produces peace like so. yeah, discipline is a challenge and it's unpleasant at the time, but you're going to reap great reward from it. You know? So, um, I mean, absolutely not. No, it's not unwavering. You know, it it is, it is challenging, but surrounding yourself with wise counsel, sleeping well, eating well, um, you know, having positive conversations or people who can speak life into you. Uh, Those are all really important things that we should all be doing on a regular basis anyway, but it's extremely important then, um, then as well, you know, and, and you and I got to, got to talk and even just having, you giving me the space to talk, to be heard, you know, you listening to me and getting to hear where my thoughts and my feelings are. That's a healthy thing. That's a therapeutic thing as well. And so, um, so no, not unwavering, but um, definitely something worth fighting for, fighting to maintain.
0: What is, what has it been like, or or one of the things that I kind of hear in that, or that I think about, and in my own experience, I I had a little bit Mm -hmm. is when going through that kind of difficult time, it can feel very isolating, even though you are going through it with other, with somebody else, Mm -hmm. even though you're surrounded by people who love you. Mm -hmm. And then I think about, well, you know, you train by yourself a lot. You like, there's a lot of solitude (laughs) in your life, both. Seemingly voluntary. And then in some cases in challenging times, involuntary. Mm -hmm. Are you comfortable in solitude? Is that something you've learned to be more comfortable in? Are you, are you, do you seek it out? Do you deal with it? Like, what is, what is that like? What is solitude like for you?
1: I sought it out really early, uh, at a young age, uh, because I knew that, that, um, through, through some, some, uh, like life experiences, I learned that it was a, a place that you needed to learn to be comfortable. Um, you know, uh, I had some friendship that kind of, uh, quote unquote, like I felt abandoned in, or if you will, you know, you know, I was 11, 12 years old, thought you have best friends. And then all of a sudden you're just kind of like isolated and you're like, well, I kind of feel alone or, you know, like whatever, like there, yeah. there was just some things that happened when I was young that, that kind of, I was like, like, I need to learn how to be comfortable in solitude and I don't need I shouldn't have to have my friends next to me to go to the weight room by myself, um, mm-hmm. you know, or go, to go to the weight room. Uh, I should be I should be comfortable going there by myself. Um, you know, I don't need to spend every waking moment X Y Z, right? Um, and so, at a young age, I, I definitely noticed that solid. You know, learning to be comfortable and thrive in solitude um, was a very valuable thing, and and that has definitely carried you know even through college, um, playing the team sport. Loved six a m workouts. Those were great with the team, but I was the guy that came in in the afternoon at two p m by himself and to get my second session in, which I really think translated really well to double days with CrossFit, I'm just saying. Mm. <laughs> um, you know, but um learning to be um, really the captain of my own ship, you know and and, you know, can't remember that quote exactly, but, you know, I'm captive of my soul and, you know, destiny and something, something with that. Right. Um, <laughs> but, but really steering and navigating where my soul is headed is like where I want to go. Um, that's on me. That's, I have to take ownership for that and, um, learning to be in solitude, I think was part of that.
0: Yeah. Love that. Um, starting to wrap up, I've got, you know, we got quite, both I've experienced it, but we also get a lot of questions from new parents about how to navigate training, how to navigate health, how to navigate all the things that feel that looking back, you're like, why did I struggle with that? It was like, I shouldn't have struggled getting to the gym before I had kids. It was so much easier. <laughs> and now it's, well, now it's just kind of an appreciation. So for the folks out there who are new parents, yeah, um, obviously you're Training is significantly different than the, those of us who are just, you know, trying to get to the gym, you know, for 30 or 60 minutes a day. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious what lessons you've learned with a baby uh, in the house uh, as it relates to taking care of yourself, taking care of yeah. what you need, both mentally, both emotionally, both spiritually, both in, a, as an athlete. Um, what what kind of advice do you have for new parents along those lines?
1: Yeah. And, and one of the things I'm still learning, really, that I think has been really valuable uh, in that is... Um, Uh, probably one of the more valuable things is learning to take action now, Um, take action immediately, Mm. because there's a lot of like, I have a lot of great intentions for the day that then um, when you toss in a child and the number of things and times that there's interruptions in the day, (laughs) it's like, if you hesitate, it doesn't get done. You know, it's like, and, and that so many things can start to pile up. And all of a sudden it's like, wow, I have all these other things. And, Things start falling off the back burner. It's like, you know, and and I, you really just like I'm learning if I think it, if it's even a like just a a notion, like act, act now, go get it done, get it knocked out. Like mm. prioritize those things, and obviously prioritizing is a very you know is a very useful thing. Learn how to prioritize well; it's a useful tool set. Um, but I think that's one of those things that like like if you even. Like you have to expect to be interrupted, uh, <laughs> and you could just because the day is, and that and that's that's okay, as it should be. Like that's part of that's part of parenting. It's part of the you know the glory of getting to raise a child. Um, and that's yeah, sure, it's not it's not easy, and you're probably you know you know as first time parents, Genesee and I were used to having as much time to talk as we wanted and to <laughs> talk about what we wanted and do what you know. It's like we had freedom. And, uh, yep. and you know, now there's the interruptions like that. So we just have to be, again, it goes back to that discipline aspect of just disciplined with like, Hey, we know these need to get done. So whenever there's an opportunity act now, and then if those are done and there's extra space, you can enjoy it and you can relax and you can, you know, use that how you want to, I think that'd probably be one of the, one of the top things that come, come to mind.
2: You know, you, um, I, It raises a you know so this idea of like expect that it's there's going to be troubles expect that there's going to be interruptions expect that because that take massive action, Um, it just lends it just further exemplifies for me the mindset that you've cultivated over the years and I really believe this Cole that um, you know there um, whether or not you have the best mindset in the sport we don't know but what I do know is that your mindset for navigating life. I don't know if I've seen somebody at that level. Wow. So wow. that's a really, it's, um, it's really what I was really excited to like um, share with our listeners about. And I'm wondering, you know, part of it was like how you cultivate that, the, la- the question I asked prior, but it's more about what what would you suggest? Like how do people become, as you just said, take action, become intentional and to take action to help cultivate yeah. this mindset? And what I'm really looking for, honestly, is like mechanistically, like literally like what should we, like you read a lot of scripture in your journal. I know that. Is that the suggestion? Is it um, have really meaningful, deep conversations with your significant? Because I know you do that. Is it find space and solitude? Because I know that you do that. Is it work out really hard to the point where you question your, you know, whether you should be, you know, question your pursuit in life? Because I know that you do that. Like (laughs) what for you would be the... what's in the toolbox that you found to be really powerful levers that you've pulled to help cultivate this mindset? Yeah. Yes. Yes.
1: Right. You just just said it. Okay. So, so maybe, uh, so
2: then the question is rank them like, like something like that. Like where, where would you lean to?
1: Yeah, no, honestly, I mean, all the things that you just said, like those, yeah, those are all very important things that I would put like they're they're all up there. They're all very important. I think challenging yourself. And, and I, I do that. I think that you can do that really well, like sports and exercise, sex, exercising hard. Like that's like living life and fast forward. You know, it's like you learn lesson life lessons in the matter of a span of a training session that some people won't learn in a lifetime. Like it, it's really quite amazing what we can learn in the, in the season, in a season, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I think that getting outside of yourself and challenging yourself, but I think what you said in, in all of those, like, you know, talking to your spouse, finding time in solitude, journaling, uh, reading scripture, um, it, it's like you're spending time reflecting, but you're also spending time getting out of comfort zones is is, is like, like running away from comfort zones. And in that, if you can be brutally honest with yourself about your self-reflection and asking the honest questions, one to to truly be curious of how can I get better? Because that's what, that's the, the deep conversations with the wife isn't like deep conversations just because there's fun. It's like a lot of them are deep because it's like, Hey, I'm trying to root something out of me. That is, I think, toxic and poison and they get deep because they're deep. That's a deep thing that I'm trying to get out of me. How can I do that? And I have a genuine desire to rid myself of those. I'm reading scriptures because I want to rid myself of things. Um, I'm journaling because I want to see where my genuine thoughts go. Like, cause now I can look at my thought on page and be like, wow, that's, that's something that I can work on. Um, you know, and then obviously training and exercising really hard. That also shows you so many things of where we've talked about it, like, where does your mind start? What kind of story does your mind start to tell you and how, you know, be, and be honest with yourself, be real. Like that was, that was an ugly portrayal of what I'm aiming to be. I did not do that good. I need to adjust that. And so learning to how, how to reflect and be genuinely honest with yourself and have a genuine desire to change it, I think is where you start.
2: I think another thing that you guys do well, and I say you guys, you and Genesee, your wife, um, do really well is that genuine honesty with each other. Um, Mm. I think that you guys have a really strong, um, respect and deep love for each other to the point where you can have, um, embrace harsh realities and have hard conversations. And, um, or maybe that's just because Genesis is a badass. Like, <laughs> but like you guys, you guys, <laughs> you guys, also, you guys don't. She also doesn't pull. That's what I was, literally the words I was going to say is you guys don't pull punch. She doesn't pull punches. It's like Cole. Like no, this is not the – Like and you guys can just and not in a no like you're doing this wrong. I think we should. It's like from the from this true sense of deep compassion for you. You can tell. You can tell it's real. So I just want to highlight because I know you guys pretty well some things that like you guys. Don't watch any TV, news. You guys don't watch movies at all. Like, uh, And I think that allows you guys – you guys don't socialize a lot. You guys are – it's the two of you in your room going – in your room, in your, in your house going through your daily routines um, together. And it allows for a ton of connection and a ton of space. And I think that's really rare that people could – Um, use as more of a a litmus test to lean into because when I think most people struggle with that true connection with their spouse, because it's a little more in the slivers, they, they, see people before work for the 35 minutes. Then they leave for work forever. They come home. There's all the commotion and confusion of the kids and the dinner table and all this and all that. Then they pop on some Netflix. They watch the news. They watch their thing. Then there's the commotion of going to bed and they go to bed. It's like this rich and they're not really getting into, you guys are in this constant deep reflective and introspective state 24 seven. It's like always happening where what you said, it's this strive, constant strive for betterment. Yes. Like how can we be better at, um, you know, distance running? Yes. How can we be better at cycling a barbell? But it's also, how can we be better at navigating life? And I think that's what me from the outside looking in, I think that that's what set you guys up to be for success, to be able to deal with arguably one of the hardest things that you guys could possibly go through. Um, having a child's life hang in the balance. I just can't imagine something more challenging than that. Um, And you guys did handle it with such grace. And I think it's because of all the space that you guys created to truly understand what's important in your lives. It wasn't artificial. It wasn't imposed by somebody else. So, you know, the the, the other way of saying this would be like the ego is this storytelling machine that creates, um, Uh, self-importance and narratives about our lives through our past conditioning and anxieties and fears about the future. Well, you guys have melted that so much to experience the realities of life. And to your point, it allows you to simply say like, I'm glad this is happening to us because we can handle this. Like somebody else might not be able to be able to handle this situation I I have enough compassion and love for humanity that I don't want that burden on somebody else. Gosh, I'm glad this happening to us. Like, wow, man, that's, that's It's a really cool thing to, for the, you know, the seven years we've been together to, um, to see what it, what in the moment we would never have called work or preparation, we would have called it you living life. Um, but allow for you to, you know, I think it just goes to like the things that we talk about this podcast a lot. It's for a bigger, it's your, we are preparing to be able to handle life on our terms, regardless. Yes. Yes.
1: Yes. Actually. and, And I, and I love that. And I know, you know, we're, we're coming up to a close here, but you're absolutely right. Because I think that one of the ways that we really focus on choosing to live our life is everything that we go through day to day is something that we can learn from and setting this up to manage the chaos and the traumas and the challenges that life throws at you. And it's it's very much the way that I have approached training and athletics. It's a it's a you know a confined, you know, kind of just quick snapshot of life and how can I learn from that and the challenges that it presents and then apply that to life. And then there are so many other aspects. You can learn it in business. You can learn it in, you know, but like how can we take everything that we're facing? Cause it's going to give us a life experience to gain for those, those really hard times that are going to come. And that we when we get punched in the mouth and adversity strikes, we can look at it with a smile.
0: Good place to wrap up. Cole. Thank you so much. <laughs> Uh, thanks, uh, for guys. taking some time out to chat with you to yeah. sit in another room from ben and talk to him i
1: know i miss I ben that. i miss you um <laughs> <but> i'll <laughs> see, <then. laughs> you in, see you in nine
0: seconds uh cole i'll have to have you on again yeah. um because this has been great and i think we we're just starting to scratch the surface of yeah. some really interesting things yeah. so thank you thank you everybody out there for listening thank you for your ratings and your reviews ben and i will be back with another episode of chasing excellence next week
1: awesome thanks guys